Hey, that's a, can be down a little bit. It's a tough act to follow up here. <laughs> I don't have all the motions down. I can maybe do some of the clapping. Now, parents, as a kid's head to kid's connection, if you go, when you go out, out to the service, you turn left. They're going to be right in the first classroom all the way down on the end, so right down in the daycare hallway. So it's very cool. All right. Well, I want to kind of give you an update a little bit on where we are. We are here at the church. We've been working through the book of Hebrews, and we're in Hebrews chapter 11, which when you read through Hebrews, is called the, the Hall of Fame of Faith. And so I want to take a moment to just kind of reflect a little bit on where we are. And so we've been talking about what's going on, and, and part of what's been going on is he's writing to Hebrew Christians, and these Hebrew Christians in some ways have stepped back from their faith a little bit because of the things that are happening in their lives. And so, first of all, let me kind of walk through If you have your notes, you can see this underneath the first part. The whole tension is either to lean into Jesus or to step back is an issue of faith and it's about trusting God. But then, Hebrews 10 to 38, if you want to throw that up on the screen, that would be great for me there. I'd appreciate it. It says, but my righteous ones will live by faith and if he draws back, I have no pleasure in him. See, God's righteous ones will live by faith. And so this leads up to this whole conversation in Hebrews 11 about living and walking by faith. And, but he also says that, so as we're talking about those individuals that step back, God is saying, I don't have pleasure in that. I don't want to see that. I want you to step in and I want you to lean into me. I want you to trust me. I don't want you to step back and resist. Then as we go on to verse 39, it says, but we are not those who draw back and are destroyed, but rather those who have faith and are saved. So what he's saying is to these guys, listen, I know you guys, you're wrestling with this whole process, but I know ultimately what you're going to do is you're not going to step back, but I know what you're really going to do is you're going to step in. You're going to trust me. I know what you're going to do. I know that you're going to trust the Lord. And so he's leading on that process and having that conversation. Then verse chapter 11, verse 1, he gives a definition of faith. So faith is the reality of what is hoped for, the proof of what is not seen. And again, last week as we talked about this, we talked a little bit about Amazon. We asked the question, who has ever shopped on Amazon or has shopped online? And many of us do. So we sit down at the computer, we look at the things that we want to see, we look at the things that we want to have delivered to our home in a couple of days, and, and we place an order. That's exercising Faith. In fact, go to that next verse because this talks about why faith is so important. Verse 6. Now, verse 6 says, Now, without faith it is impossible to please God, since the one who draws near to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. And so faith is really important because God is saying, I want you to trust me. I want you to lean into me. And when you lean in and trust me, he rewards us. There's a benefit that comes from that. Well, let's kind of read verse 6 a little bit differently. Okay? Now, without faith, it is impossible to shop on Amazon. Right? It's impossible to shop on Amazon without faith. Okay? Since the one who draws near to the clicker must believe that what he is ordering exists and that it will come in the mail when he orders it. 
Now, that's a little bit of twisting a scripture there, but it still communicates the same idea. When we, when we are shopping on Amazon and we get ready to place, say, place the order, we get ready to say, yes, I want it delivered to my door, we are believing it's going to come. And faith is in that same avenue, it's in that same direction where we are believing that what God says is true. So we draw near to God and says the one who draws near to him must what? Believe that God exists and that God will reward those who draw near to him, those who seek him. And then we came to that last part when last week we looked at verses 15 and 16. It talks about the destination of our faith as a heavenly focus, not so much an earthly one. And he says here, if they were thinking about where they came from, and he's talking about all those individuals in Scripture, and, and, he, and then he's, he's talking about Abraham and Moses, and, and he's talking about these guys, and if they were thinking about where they had come from, they would want to go back. He says, but they would have had an opportunity to return, but go to that next verse says, but they now desire a better place, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a place for them. See, those that he was talking about in Hebrews 11 are not those individuals that are looking for just an earthly reward. They're not just looking for all those things that come from an earthly perspective. They're ultimately looking for what God has in store for them eternally. So, that lays the groundwork for what we're going to look at today. But before we do that, let's have a word of prayer. Ask God to bless our time, and then we'll jump into it quickly. Father, I just thank you again this morning for the privilege to spend some time in your word. And Father, as we walk through your word, and as we think about it, and we think about the lesson of what it means to trust you, Father, I would ask that you would just bless our time again. I ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. So as he's walking through this hall of fame of faith, what I want you to understand is that each step along the way, he is talking about those who have been exercising faith. So he starts all the way back again with Abraham. So we're back in the, in the middle of Genesis. And he says, by faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac and he received the promises and yet he was offering his one and only son. It says, the one to whom it had been said, your offspring will be traced through Isaac, he considered God to be able even to raise someone from the dead, therefore he received him back, figuratively speaking. Again, he's talking about the fact of the whole issue and the importance of faith. He's saying, listen, let's walk through, and so the, he, the writer's saying, let's walk through some of the heroes of our faith. Let's walk through some of our biblical examples of people that have gone before you. And so one of the examples now he starts to talk about is, is Abraham. And what is he saying with Abraham? Abraham lived by faith. Abraham took that step of faith. He stepped into that no man's land, the evidence of things hoped for, the substance of things not seen. And he said, okay, I'm going to trust God. Or if we want to come back, we don't have to go back there on the screen, but I'll just do that real here. I'll, I'll just read it again from verse 6. Now without faith, what is impossible to please God since the one who draws near to him must, must what? Believe that he exists and that God rewards those who seek him. See, Abraham believed that God existed and he knew that God would reward. He knew the promises that God had given and he was resting in the promises that God had given. Well, then he goes on. After he finishes up that little bit, he says, By faith... Isaac blessed Jacob, and that right here is popping, and I'm going to turn this off right there. So, just so you know, 
that one is popping. Probably shouldn't do that, but it was popping and I'm not ready to dance. <laughs> that would be an ugly thing to see. It's good to watch our kids do it. Not a good thing for me. <laughs> All right, my wife would, she would correct me later. <laughs> All right. By faith, what? Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. And by faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph. And he worshipped, leaning on the top of his staff. Now, when you think about this, where are they at this time where Jacob is blessing Joseph's sons? They are in Egypt. And when you read through Scripture and you look at this process of what happens, then for the next 400 years, as the nation of Israel lived in Egypt, they grew as a nation, but they eventually became slaves slaves under the hand of Egypt. And yet, what was God doing? And what was Jacob doing? He was still blessing his children and blessing the children of Joseph, even though there was going to be hardship that was coming. He was anticipating what God was going to do. Now, by faith, Joseph, as he was nearing the end of his life, mentioned the exodus of the Israelites and gave instructions concerning his bones. He says, guys, I don't want my bones staying here. I want you to take my bones when you leave this land. That was not going to be for 400 years, and they did it. But it's not going to be for 400 years, but I want you to take my bones, I want you to exhume me, and I want you to bury me, remember me in the promised land. That's where I want to be. He was anticipating what God was going to do. And then you come to Moses. Who's Moses? He's the one who took him out of Egypt and got him to the promised land. By faith, Moses, after he was born, was hidden by his parents for three months. You guys should read, if you haven't read these stories, they're great stories to read about amazing things that God does. Moses and Pharaoh said, kill all the kids. Parents said, no, we're going to hide them. And, And they did. And, and so he was hidden by his parents for three months because they saw that the child was beautiful and they didn't fear the king's edict. And by faith, Moses, when he had grown up, he became, he was adopted by Pharaoh's daughter, grew up around 40 years old, saw the injustice that was taking place. And so by faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. And he chose to suffer with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasure of sin. Now this next verse is really interesting. Because for he considered reproach for the sake of Christ. He was looking forward to the promise of the Messiah. He was looking forward to the promise of the Redeemer of God coming. It's amazing and it's interesting to me how the writer of Hebrews identifies that his faith was all ultimately in the promise of the promised one of God, the Messiah. What? He, his, he considered reproach for the sake of Christ to be of greater wealth than the treasure of Egypt. Now, at this point in history, there was no nation greater, bigger, stronger, or wealthier than the nation of Egypt. If you wanted to live the good life, it was good to be part of Pharaoh's family. That's where you lived at the pinnacle of everything. Think about the people who live at the pinnacle of life today, who, who live the jet-set lifestyle, who drive the fancy cars, who are weighted on hand and foot. That's the world that Moses would have been a part of. And yet he said, I'm going to cash all that in because there's something, there's a greater wealth in the treasures of Egypt since he was looking ahead to his reward. He was looking forward to what God had provided. And that comes back to that whole conversation. The people that were leaning on God and looking to God were not looking for something that was coming and going to be experienced in this 
all temporal life and all it was it was all going to be cashed out now they were looking forward to something that was coming in the future in eternity where it wouldn't be taken away where they wouldn't lose it and it would last forever by faith Verse 27, he left Egypt behind, not being afraid of the king's anger, for Moses persevered as as one who sees himself who is invisible. By faith, he instituted the Passover and the sprinkling of the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch the Israelites. Now again, he's walking through all these things that the nation of Israel understands. He's walking through all these things that they grew up and understood from childhood. These stories of Abraham, these stories of Isaac, these stories of Jacob, these stories of Moses. And he's reminding them, guys, all of these individuals, every single one of them, they lived a journey of faith. They lived this pathway where they were trusting God and they were looking beyond the here and now and anticipating a promise for eternity. That's what they were looking for. And it says, by faith they crossed the Red Sea as though they were on dry land. And when the Egyptians attempted to do this, they were drowned. Now, sometimes you'll listen to people talk about this story, and I'll say, well, yes, but the, at this point in time, the Red Sea was only about four inches deep, so it was easy for them to cross. Then, by goodness, it was a hard time for God to drown all the army. Okay, so if you think it was so easy for the nation of Israel to just skip across the Red Sea, I don't, it's amazing then that God drowned the entire Egyptian army. But when you read the scriptures, he stacked up the walls of the water. And the sea was not, I don't think, four inches deep. You're talking about something that's very deep. And yet when they walked through, it was dry. And when an army of Egypt went through, it just crashed down. And God protected the nation of Israel and destroyed the army of Egypt. By faith, again, they get to the promised land and and they start to conquer and take the promised land that God had promised to Abraham and then to Isaac and then to Jacob. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after being marched around by the Israelites for seven days. And God said, here's what I want you to do. You don't need to fight. You don't need to argue. I want you to show up and walk around the city once a day for six days. And on the seventh day, walk around the city seven times. And then the last time, blow the horns. And God caused the walls to fall down. Now, what's interesting, archaeologists go, oh, that couldn't happen. But they found the city. And they found that the walls have fallen out. They didn't fall in. You know, when armies attack, they knock the walls down and they push them in. But they fell out. And God saved them. By faith, Rahab, who was part of that city, the prostitute welcomed the spies in peace and didn't perish because of those with those who disobeyed. Now he's getting to that part that I think is really, really cool. And he says, and what more can I say? Time is too short for me to tell about. And then he hits other significant individuals of Scripture so that as the Hebrews... The Hebrews would sit down and they would learn their Bibles and they would know these stories and they would know these individuals. And so they would know the story about Gideon and Barak. They would know the story about Samson and Jephthah and David, Samuel and the prophets. They would know who all of these guys are. Because why? They grew up reading the Old Testament. They grew up on the stories of the Old Testament and the characters of the Old Testament. And they came back and said, and he's coming back and saying, guys, you need to understand every single one of these individuals, every single one, 
lived by faith. So when the challenge of faith came, and the challenge of walking with God came, they didn't step back. They didn't back up and back away. When the challenge of faith came, what they did is they stepped up and they leaned in and they trusted God. And he's trying to say, listen, just as they leaned in and trusted God, you also need to lean in and you need to trust God. Particularly as it comes to faith in Jesus and the forgiveness of sin that Jesus offers on the cross of Calvary. You need to trust. You need to exercise the same kind of faith as these heroes of the Old Testament exercised. These people that you grew up reading about, hearing about, and the stories that your parents would tell you as you would go to bed at night. Those are the ones you want to emulate and learn from. And so he goes and says, and who, what, what did they do? By faith they conquered kingdoms, administered justice, obtained promises, and shut the mouths of lying. That's a, probably a hint towards Daniel. But then what I really love is what starts to take place in verses 34 and on, and on 34 to 37. Because what's really cool to me in verses 34 to 37 he starts to leave the pages of Scripture. He starts to leave the pages of the Bible. And he starts to talk in general of all of those people who along with Jephthah or David or Daniel, all of those other people whose names didn't get recorded in history, those, those individuals whose stories didn't get captured in the record, but who still walked and lived by faith. And so running into that, all these people who administer justice, obtain promises, shut the mouths of lions, and then quench the raging of, of fire, escape the edge of the sword, gain strength in weakness, became mighty in battle, and put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. Other people were tortured, not accepting release, so that they might gain a better resurrection. Others experienced mockings and scourgings, as well as bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawed in two, they died by the sword, they wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, afflicted, and mistreated. But it says, but the world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and on mountains, hiding in caves and holes in the grounds. But look at verse 39. All of these were approved through their faith. All of them. Every single one of them were approved through their faith. Because we come back to what I said earlier in, in verse 16. It's impossible to please God without faith. It's impossible. We live in a world where often we want to be able to pick things up. We want to look at them. We want to touch them. We want to see them. And, and, we, and, we, and we have a tendency to not want to put our faith into things until we can absolutely see it. But yet the reality in our world is that every day we exercise faith. Every single day. We exercise faith believing our job is going to be there when we get up today and go back to work. We exercise faith that that job is still going 
to be there. Again, we've talked about this. We, we exercise faith, believing that we're going to go out, we're going to turn our car on, and it's going to run, and it's going to get us to our job. We know we've got to put gas in a car. We know we've got to maintain it, but we believe that if we maintain it and take care of things, it's going to work for us. It's going to run. It's going to get us to where we want to be. Those are all issues of faith. All through our lives, we exercise faith. Every election cycle, we go to the polls, and we go to the polls exercising a vote. And why do we do that? We do that with a faith system, a belief system, that as we do this, we're advancing our culture, we're advancing our society, and we're hopefully, as we vote, we're going to see something better come out as a result in our culture and our society. All of that is all of that, all around us, all the time, we take these steps of faith. And as the writer is talking about this, he says, listen, all of those individuals, all of those individuals that you read from in Scripture, these amazing people from Scripture that you know all their stories about, they live by faith. But they are not the only ones. He says, but we're also talking about your aunts, your uncles, your grandparents, your great-great-grandparents, those individuals also who didn't back away, who didn't retreat from God. But rather what they did is they stepped in, they leaned in, they trusted God, they rested in God. And what he is saying is all of those individuals in this journey, in this process, they also were exercising faith. And he's saying to them, listen guys, we want you to do the same thing. Don't back up. Don't retreat. Step in. Hold on to Jesus. Because Jesus is the completion of the story. Jesus, as Moses was resting in the Christ, Jesus is the Christ. Jesus is the promised one. Jesus is the one who is ultimately going to lead us into that eternity and who provides the forgiveness of sins so that we can enter into that eternity and enter into that blessing that has been promised for so long and that we have been waiting for for so long. And I love how this last verse, verse 40, finishes that conversation. It says, since God has provided something better for us. Let's, let's, let's get a running start from verse 39. Let's go back to there for a second. All these were approved through their faith. But they did not receive what was promised. It was still not all finished yet. Now go to verse 40. Since God had provided something better for us. So that they would not be made perfect without us. See, God was waiting for the completion of the process, so that then together with all of those who had gone before us, we are made complete together with them. This is what the writer is saying. He's saying, guys, hold on to Jesus. Lean into Jesus. Trust Jesus. Because all through the earlier parts of Hebrews, he's been reminding them, listen, Jesus is greater than everything you've seen. Jesus is greater than angels. He's greater than Moses. Moses was holding on, and Moses is lifted up in Jewish tradition as the hero of Jewish tradition, as is Abraham. But Moses is the one who gave the law. But he says, listen, all of them, all of those who came before, God was waiting for the coming of Jesus so that together with all of them, we would then together be able to step into that promise and experience the answer that they have all been looking for. So, don't back up. Don't back away from Jesus. Don't do that. 
Step up. Step into that faith. Grab a hold to Jesus. Hold on to Jesus. Because Jesus is the answer that you have been looking for all of your life. Jesus is the answer that all of those who came before you who have been exercising faith have been waiting for and who have been anticipating. Because Jesus is the one who is the pathway through which all the blessings come. He is the one who's been promised from Abraham. He is the one that Moses was looking towards. He is the one that everyone has been anticipating. And now he has come. So now, don't back up. Lean in. Embrace and hold on to Jesus. Because Jesus is the one who gives life. Now we're going to talk more about this next week. We want to invite you back as we kind of walk through this a little bit more next week. Because then the next part says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud and crowd of witnesses... And he starts to talk about how we get to consider ourselves as being on the playing field with the stands filled around us with a cheering crowd. How then should we live? What should we be anticipating? What should we be pursuing? And we'll talk more about that next week. But let's have a word to prayer together and I'll let Connor finish this up and we'll close. Let's pray. Father, thank you so very much for your richness and your goodness to us. Thank you so very much for an amazing promise about Jesus giving us life and providing hope for us. Lord, you have been amazing to us on so many levels. You have given us forgiveness of sin. You've offered us the promise of eternal life in your presence. Father, we've had the privilege to know and experience your presence in our journey, and it's been such a blessing to have that take place. But for then, Father, I just think of today, a beautiful day, a wonderful day. Father, a, a program where we had the chance to see the kids sing and enjoy just the greatness of all what this summer represented. Father, you have been rich and good to us on so many levels, and we want to say thank you in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Verse 16 is a wonderful one. But they now desire a better place, a heavenly one. If you're here and you have believed in Jesus, there is a better place, the world to come, heaven. Christian, how often do you think about heaven? Do you really deep down desire heaven to be with God forever? Most of what's here is temporary and will last. How long, really? Not long at all. There is a better world to come. That's why all these heroes of the faith we just looked at could keep going through thick and thin. They trusted. There's a better home, heaven. But if you're here and you've never trusted in Jesus as your Savior, These heroes of the faith also remind us you're not too bad for Jesus and you're not too good for Jesus. Every single one of these heroes of the faith were sinful. They're heroes that we look up to in their examples, but they messed up over and over and over again. They weren't saved by being really, really good 
or comparing themselves to the person next to them. They were saved by faith. And each and every single one of these people, they weren't too good. They, they didn't go to God, I don't really need you. I'm good on my own. They were messy people, but God saved them. And I don't know where you're at in your life, but I do know this. No matter how messy your life is, how much you have messed up, the Lord can save you and change you and make you new. And at the same time, you're not too good for Jesus. You don't get to this better place on your own. It's only because Jesus took your punishment on the cross, died and rose again so that if you trust in him, you can be saved. So I want to encourage you, if you're here and you've never believed in Jesus before, you can do that right now. He died to save you. If you have questions on what that means, write it on the Connect card. Give us your contact info. Andrew and I would love to talk to you. But you can even like, talk to Andrew and I today after the service. Oh, you're not too messy for Jesus, but you're not too good for him. He is your only hope. And what we're going to do now is we're going to pray, and the offering plate is going to come from the back forward. Um, If you're new here, please, there's no obligation to give, but we give so we can continue telling the good news of Jesus here and so that the missionaries we support can share this good news all over the world. So let us pray now to the one true God who died and rose again to save us. Jesus, I thank you for these heroes of the faith. Thank you, God, that you save messy people. God, I pray you will humble all hearts here. For those that don't know you, I pray you will show them they are sinful, far from you, but you died to save them. Humble them, God, so they right here, right now, confront them with the truth that they cannot get to heaven on their own. Lord, I pray for every believer here, including myself, that we will desire a better place. Bless this offering, God, so we can continue telling this good news. Thank you, Lord, for everything. In your name, Jesus, I pray. Amen.